Hello everyone, I'm Bill Cloud, and I want to welcome you once again to our series that we call Hebrew Treasures, where we study Hebrew words and related themes and terms. And today we're going to be talking about the word avad. And this word is spelled ayin bet dalit. We've, we've looked at the word avar to cross over. We looked at the word arav, which means to mix and mingle. And now we're looking at avad, all spelled very similarly. But this word means to work. It can mean to serve. And it carries the connotation that the work is something you do to subject yourself or in subjection to someone else's will. Someone who serves another as that person's subject or servant. An example of this word is found in Genesis chapter 29, verse 15. It says this, And Levon said unto Jacob, Because you are my brother, should you therefore serve me? And that word is avatani. Should you serve me for nothing? Tell me, what shall your wages be? And so then avad is, again, to serve someone, preferably willingly, not uh, someone who's in chains and who's doing it uh, under, dis uh, under duress, but someone who would willingly want to serve you and sometimes, as it was the case with Jacob and Levon, in exchange for something. In his case, it was a wife. If he devoted himself to Levon, he worked for him for those, uh, many, uh, those seven years, then in exchange he would be given Rachel. So he is serving Levon. He does it willfully because of his great love for Rachel. Now, that brings us to the word evid. In fact, that is the word for servant. That, it's spelled the same way as the root word, ayin bet dalit. And sometimes you'll see in Scripture that this word is translated as slave, as in Exodus chapter 6, verse 6. It's used many times uh, to denote someone who is in bondage. But typically, it's, uh, it's used to speak of someone who is wanting to serve someone who wants to subject themselves. They may get something in return, but they're doing it willingly. Of course, with Pharaoh, he, he presses them into bondage. He, he's making them do things that is against their will, and he tells them to go work. Now, that way or that application or the other, when someone does it willingly, the idea is that a servant is going to exert his energy towards someone else's goal, what someone else wants done. Um, you're going to subject your will to their will. Again, preferably it's done willingly. But the more positive attribute of this word is found in something uh, or a word that it is commonly translated ad, as, and that is not just servant, but bond servant. And as far as the bond servant, one of the greatest examples of what this is and should be is found in Exodus chapter 21. And in Exodus 21, we don't have time to develop that here, but it basically speaks of someone who has served a master for six years. And according to the laws of the bond servant, if you have a Hebrew evid, a Hebrew bond servant, he serves you six years, but in the seventh year, you are to let him go. And then if he came in, came in with a family, he leaves with a family. If he came in single and you give him 
a wife and they have children and he decides to go his own way, then he leaves the wife and children behind. But the real crux of the bondservant uh, issue or concept is, but if that ser servant plainly says, I love my master, I love my wife, I'm not going to go my own way. Then he comes to his master. He, uh, he's taken before the elders of the community. They take him to the door of his master's house. And with an awl, he bores a hole into his ear and attaches him both literally and figuratively to his master's doorpost signifying that this servant, this Evid, is becoming part of his house. He's becoming part of his master's house, and not just for another six years, but he's actually going to be serving him for the rest of his life or forever. And so a bondservant, an Evid, using this term in its most positive connotation, this is someone who's not considered to be a hireling. This is the good servant who stays and he works for his master. He serves his master and it's all born out of his love for his master. And again, we don't want to really develop this whole teaching here, but the bond servant is a picture of what our master is looking for in his people. He wants our ears to be open, the, the all boring a hole in the servant's ear. He wants our ears to be open to hear what he says and then to do what he says. And why? Not exclusively out of fear that he's going to run us down and put us in chains, but that we love him and we want to do what he wants us to do. We want to subject ourselves to his will, to do what he wants, to advance his purposes. And so this is what an Eved is. And keeping in mind, it comes from the root word Avad that means to work or to serve. Now, Paul often referred to himself as a bondservant. An example of that can be found in Titus chapter 1, verse 1. But I believe, more importantly, Paul wrote that this is our calling as followers of the Messiah in Galatians chapter 4, verse 7. So we are called to be bondservants. And that brings us to another meaning of this word, avad, to worship or to be a worshiper. You see, worship is not to be limited to a day, it's not to be limited to music, but worship is to be considered a lifestyle. Worship really is a lifestyle of servitude. It's equivalent to the servant who, for the love of his master, decides, you know, I don't want to go do my own thing. I don't want to go my own way. I want to be part of your house, and I want to be part of your house forever. And whatever you tell, whatever you tell me to do, that's what I want to do. And by the way, according to the concept connected to the laws of the bond servant, in reality, what that servant is doing is becoming a son. Because once he has his ear drilled open and, and he's connected to the doorpost of that home, he's literally connected to that master's house forever. No longer does he have to worry about where his next meal is coming from, who's going to care for his children when they're sick, who's going to protect him from his enemies, because that now is the responsibility of his master. So, in effect, the servant, the bond servant, is becoming a son. 
Now the first occurrence of this root word in Scripture is found in Genesis chapter 2, and it's when, uh, it's speaking of when God had created uh, everything but before the creation of man. And so in Genesis chapter 2, verse 5, it says this, And every plant of the field before it was in the earth, and every herb of the field before it grew, for the Lord God had not caused it to rain upon the earth, and there was not a man to till, and that term there is la'avod, la'avod, to till the ground. Now, again, it means to work, it means to serve. Here it's translated, at least in this uh, particular version, as tilling. But the idea is there was no man to work the ground. So that takes us or connects us to what Adam was supposed to do. He was supposed to work the ground, or let's say, say it this way, to serve, to serve. In fact, the word avod alludes to the term avodah. And avodah is a word that is used in regard to temple service. That is, when the priests would go into the tabernacle or the sanctuary and they would do certain things. They would serve God by doing the work of the priesthood. They would make sure that there was oil in the menorah, there was wood for the altar, all the different things that had to be done so that the temple and the sanctuary could function according to God's purpose. So that avodah, that service, comes from our root word, ava, to work, to serve. And so this is all connected thematically. And um, that then, in turn, hints that Adam's role was not so much a farmer as it was, at least, at least this is my opinion, that his role in the garden was not gardening necessarily, but his role was the garden, and this has been my uh, conviction for a long time, that he was actually serving as a priest because I'm convinced that Eden, the Garden of Eden, the midst of the garden, when you look at those things as a whole yet divided up into three components, you have a picture of the first earthly sanctuary. The region of Eden would correspond to the court, the Garden of Eden would correspond to the holy place, the midst of the garden where the tree of life was would correspond to the holy of holies. And so then if that's accurate, I believe it is, then when Adam was placed there to till and to keep, or to tend and to keep, he was placed there to serve, to guard, and that would infer that he was there serving in the role of a priest. So God placed him there, which indicates that he was placed in a position that he was to occupy. So I believe he's functioning in the role of a priest. Genesis chapter 2, verse 15, God tells him two things, tend and keep, literally to work, avad, and to guard. Now, tilling the garden, avad, you know, obviously we could see how that would mean working the ground, hoeing, digging up weeds, and all those kinds of things. Um, but when we consider that Adam, when he was first placed in the garden, he was told that he could freely eat. That is in Genesis chapter 2, verse 16. He could freely eat of all the fruit that was growing on the trees in that garden, obviously, except for one. Which would then hint that Adam really didn't toil in order to eat. So that brings us to the question. 
What did his work consist of in the garden? Again, I believe he's functioning in the role of a priest. By the way, I believe that that is synonymous with the idea of a servant or a bond servant. He was there to make sure that God's purposes were, uh, were seen to, that God's purposes were advanced. He was there to make sure there were no contaminants, no pollutants, anything that would infringe on the sanctity of the sanctuary. That's what his work was. And so he was to do the work of the priest slash bond servant so that this relationship, the communion that God desired between him and man could continue. The priest of Israel did not go out and toil in the field necessarily in order to eat. The priests of Israel were fed from the portions that people were bringing up to the temple. And so they could, if you will, freely eat. Likewise, Adam could freely eat, that is, before the fall. So if we think of it that way, then let's bring it over into our day and time and understand that you and I are regarded as being a royal priesthood. In following the Messiah, we are to be bondservants. We are to subject our will to His will. And why? Not because we fear Him exclusively anyway, but because we love Him. And our job, our role, our work is to make sure that those things that are holy and those things that He deems to be sacred are not polluted, that we don't mix and mingle with other things that would contaminate. We guard these things that are holy and we do the work of the kingdom in order to advance the kingdom. Our bodies are regarded as being temples of the Holy Spirit and we are to make sure that the temple is clean. And so we work we till the ground. This body is made from the dust of the earth. And we do the things that God has told us to do. We don't do the things, he says, don't do in order that we might bear good fruit. Now, there's a couple of family words that I want to talk about. And uh, thinking in terms of the priesthood and that we're a royal priesthood and we're all to be bond servants. I think it's very interesting that one of the cognate words with avad is afad, and it's spelled uh, alif, pe, dalit, afad. And it means to gird or to envelop. Now, here's why it's interesting. This is the root word for efad, and that is alif, pe, vav, dalit, efad, which is the, uh, the, the part of clothing that the high priest War. He would gird himself with the effort. He would be enveloped by the effort. And so it's tied to the idea of the evid or the bond servant, the one who is in service to God. Another family word is an antonym, and that word is avad, but spelled with an aleph instead of the ayin. Aleph bet dalet. Now here's what's interesting about this word. It means to lose a valuable possession. It is also translated as destroy, to perish, to ruin. An example of that is found in Numbers chapter 24. In Psalm 88, verse 11, it's rendered this way. Shall your loving kindness be declared in the grave or your faithfulness in Avadon or in destruction? 
So now think about this. The word avad with the uh, the ayin, to serve, to work, to be a bond servant, to be joined to his house forever, to serve him because we love him, to be priests unto the Most High, to be those who are temples of the Holy Spirit, to uh, the ephod, the, the, to be enveloped with the ephod, all these themes. And then you've got this theme that, or this term that's just diametrically opposed to that. And it means to lose something that's very valuable, a treasure, a jewel. You don't want to lose that. And it means to destroy or to ruin. And a derivative of this word is avodon in Psalm 88, destruction. Well, that should sound familiar to you because we would say abaddon. And of course, many of you know that in Revelation chapter 9, verse 11, abaddon, sometimes rendered destroyer, this is the king of the bottomless pit. So when we compare these two words, avad with an ayin and avad with the aleph, a concept develops, and that's this. Avad with the I means to work, it means to serve, but if we replace that with the Aleph, it means to be lost or to be destroyed. And so look how easily one can go from being a servant, one who is in service to the Most High, one who is a, a priest of the Lord, so to speak, how that person can go from being an Evid to one who destroys. And so we must keep our eye on the Messiah to make sure that doesn't happen. And the word, or excuse me, the letter ayin actually means an eye. We have to keep our eye on the Messiah. We have to be looking unto the author and the finisher of our faith so that we will continue to be faithful servants, that we will be those that are not just serving him, but are becoming his sons and daughters so that he is the one who looks after us. He's the one who provides for us. He's the one who protects us because in appreciation for our servitude, he is taking us into his house. That's what he wanted in the first place. He wanted a relationship and that's why he placed Adam in the garden to tend it, to do the work, to make sure everything's the way it should be so that I can come and be with you and commune with you and guard against those things that would come in and infiltrate and contaminate that would prevent me from coming in and communing with you. Because you see, we are considered his jewels and he doesn't want to lose any of his valuables. And so we keep our eye, our eyeing on the Messiah until the day we hear him say, well done, good and faithful, avid servant. And with that, we come to the end of this segment of our Hebrew treasures. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you learned something and we'll see you next time. Like what you're hearing? Become a Bill Cloud Premium Partner to watch or listen to hundreds of hours of teachings and resources on demand. Go to BillCloud.com slash subscribe to start watching today.